And uh, as I was thinking about this message for our last message, I, I come up with this uh, Psalm 124 verse 7 verse. It says, Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. I want us to pray. Let's, uh, let's just seek God for His touch on this word. Father, I know a lot of healing is going to happen in this service. Lord Jesus, I know that the power of Your Word will bring healing into people's hearts and minds at a deepest level in our spirit, Father. And I thank You, Lord, that there'll be people set free from a position in life where they've felt that they are stuck. And today, Lord, is a day of freedom in every one of our locations in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Yeah. And I believe that. I believe a lot of healing is going to happen right here in people's lives in this church. Sometimes the healing we're looking for on the outside actually needs to begin on the inside. Sometimes you got to have healing at a deeper level than just a physical level or just a mental level. Sometimes there's, there's healing needed deep down in our spirit. A number of years ago, I wrote this book called Healing the Wounded Spirit. And uh, I kind of didn't like writing this book because that's not really the kind of book I'd write. Uh, like, I'd rather leave that with the experts, the therapists and the counselors who do a wonderful job of helping people through troubled, troubled soul times. But, but anyway, I, I went through one of those and found myself getting healed by the presence of the Holy Spirit and by the power of God. And so I, I wrote this book, Healing the Wounded Spirit, and talked about four conditions of, of a person's spirit where they, they feel like exhausted all the time, wake up in the morning and still feel tired, feeling like there's no motivation left to really drive ahead and just want to give up and quit. And that's when your motivation in your spirit, that's when your spirit has been broken or wounded or bruised or it's gotten sick or poisoned in there. And Jesus can come in there and bring healing. And the worst thing that could ever happen to you is to remain stuck in that position. Way back in, in the Old Testament, there are, there are the Israelites who've been living in Egypt for 400 years as slaves. Now, that's a long time. That's a lot of legacy to have a slave mindset. And they, they, they came to a day where God said, I'm going to set you free. You're stuck in slavery. You're stuck under the oppression and manipulation of other forces. Today, I'm going to set you free. And so they, you know, they all, over a series of incredible events, got set free. And they're walking out of Egypt towards their promised land. God won't take you out of somewhere without sending you to somewhere. We come out from something to go to something. And his biggest, his biggest dream for every one of us is that we will get to exactly what he has got planned for us because the plan he's got is immense. It's, it's beautiful. So these Israelites are coming out of slavery and, and they, they've been stuck in slavery for so long. And now they, they reach a point where they can't go any further. They, they are stuck in front of the Red Sea. They're, they've got desert to the south, mountains to the north, and behind them, are all these chariots coming, trying to get them back into that stuck position. Even when you've been set free, you can be nervous that, that something from your past is going to come up and grab you and take you right back there. But let me tell you today, what happened then can happen for you right here, right now. They, they thought 
Egypt thought they're stuck. I've got them in a, in a trap. They're in a, they're in a cul-de-sac. They can't go anywhere. The, the Red Sea's in front of them. They thought they had them in a trap, but God, look, I gotta tell you something about Jesus. He's sneaky. He's tricky sometimes. He has got these guys chasing down, thinking we've got them stuck, but actually God had the, Israel, the Egyptians stuck. Because Moses stretches his rod out, the sea parts, these guys walk through. And amazingly, the Egyptians think, we'll just follow them through the Red Sea. The Israelites get out, <coughs> excuse me, on the other side, <clears throat> and Moses looks back, and God says, put your stick out over the sea again. He does, and the entire army of the Egyptians is swallowed up in the ocean. Here's the thing. No matter what is trying to catch up with you from your past, no matter what things are trying to get a hold of you and drag you back into that stuck, imprisoned, snared position, God is going to destroy it in Jesus' name. He will bring complete destruction over everything in your past. He doesn't forgive you so that it can come up again. He forgives you so that it can be obliterated, so that you are completely and utterly set free from your past. That is why we have water baptism coming up in a couple of weeks, because that is exactly what it typifies, that you go down in the water and you leave the old life there, and it is buried in the ocean, and you come up a brand new person, just like those Israelites came out of the Red Sea, brand new people. Egypt was finally behind them in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. Here's, now, here's the thing. God has said, he, he has said there's, there's going to be weapons that come against you. It doesn't mean like because you've met Jesus that you're never going to have another problem. Isaiah says, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the, of the servants of the Lord. Their righteousness is of me. It doesn't say there's never going to be any weapons, but it does say that no weapon that is formed against you, even as powerful as the Egyptian army, thundering down on you when you've got no weapons, no chariots, no horses, you may think you're vulnerable. You may think you're defenseless. You may think you've got no power against the enemy. You may think that all the power is in the hands of the person trying to attack you. But let me tell you right now, with God, nothing is impossible. You can beat whatever is coming against you, no matter how small and insignificant you feel, no matter how inadequate and unprepared you feel. That thing does not have any power over you as long as Jesus is in the middle of your life. Come on. Help me preach this. Let me tell you, there is a, there's a thing today. I'm going to get a little more specific now. Talked in, in gener, generalities about forces and, and the enemy and this. But let me tell you, we live in an age like I've never thought we'd ever live in, where outrage is on every page of the newspaper. It's in all the corners of the earth, people taking offense when no offense was intended. It's unbelievable. It's like people want to be offended. I'm outraged about this. I'm offended about that. I feel offended about this. Listen to me, friend. The worst thing you can do is hold on to an offense. That is one of the biggest traps that the enemy is trying to get you to get into. But this is not a new problem. Isaiah talked about it in Isaiah 29, verse 21. He says, 
These people make a man an offender by a word. They make him an offender by a word. He didn't mean offense, but they make him this offender by a word. And they lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate. People who were elders and leaders in the land. They lay a snare for him and turn aside the just by empty words. Unbelievable that this is something that people want to actually embrace in their life to be hateful, to be bitter, to be offended. How about Jesus himself? He, he suffered this in Mark 6, verse 3, that when he went to his hometown. They said, isn't this the carpenter? They just dishonor him. They said, what's he think he's a Messiah for? He's a carpenter, for goodness sake. The son of Mary? There's a, there's a, a nasty barb in there. Not the son of Joseph and Mary. Just the son of Mary. Who knows who his father is? The rumors are still around. Yeah, she said it's a God thing, please. As if, you know, like we all know how it happens. And so it's the son of Mary, but the rumors were still around. And they, they were cynics. And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, he had four brothers, and his sisters. That's, a, that's an interesting little point, isn't it? That Jesus was a family guy. I mean, he had, I don't know what you did at the, at the table when you were given thanks. Like, you, you say, Jesus, could you give thanks? And what's he do? He says, I, I thank me. Amen. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Could you pass the soul, Jesus? Living with Jesus. Life with Jesus. Somebody, one of the brothers and sisters could have written a book about, about that. But it says, aren't his sisters here with us? So they took offense. They took offense at him. He wasn't intending to give it. He was just at home in his hometown. But they wanted to take offense because he had seemingly gotten elevated in life. I, want, I would like to think that you and I will not let that culture infect your spirit. I would like to think that whoever you are here this morning, whether you come here a lot or whether you're just visiting here today, uh, that you would find a way to navigate through a society that is taking offense at everything without it coming on your life. I want to show you how you can put Teflon on your spirit, how you can actually become unoffendable. Psalm 119 verse 165 says, Great peace, great calm, great wholeness, great health, have they which love your word, love your law, nothing shall offend them. How good is that? So that means if I'm in the Bible, instead of reading Cattleman's Quarterly, if I'm in, reading Scripture instead of reading up about all, all the players in the final, you know, if, if I'm reading up about, about Jesus instead of the East Coast or the West Coast Eagles, you know, God bless them, amen. If, if, I am, if I've got a... I hunger every day of my life to actually let Scripture. And that's why I put so many Scriptures up on the screen. Because I like to think that that can get inside you. There is a power in the Word. And that power will make you an unoffendable person. Even when people are trying to get a, a spear on the inside of you, you're going to find yourself protected by the power of the Word. How about this, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, love keeps no record of wrongs. 
doesn't take into account a wrong it's suffered. I remember reading Richard Wormbrand, who was a hero of mine as a young Christian. He spent 20 years in communist prisons and suffering for, for the Lord. And he, he, his books were deep. So I'm, I'm reading one of his books, and, and one of the lines was, mature Christians don't forgive. I thought, whoa, here, I, I thought you were, you're a true man of God. Now you find you're a heretic. And, uh, but he wasn't. You know, because I read the next line. It says, because mature Christians don't even take into account a wrong of self. There's nothing to forgive. They don't forgive because there's nothing to forgive. They've, they never even took it on board as a wound or as a hurt. And so love and the Word of God are going to actually keep you from living in a world of offense. Hebrews 12:15 says, Look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become infected. It is amazing how the dominoes fall from one bitter person, how it infects. Bitterness is contagious. And, and it's not just about keeping your spirit unoffended and out of being stuck in a trap like that. It is, it is for the sake of all everybody around you. Once you start getting a sour spirit, once you start speaking cynical, doubtful, hate-filled words, you're going to find it infects other people. They pick it up all around you. And so if... if if, honestly, if the heart was to be engaged in just one or two great things in life, forgiveness would be one of them. The ability to let go offenses that have come your way. The ability to not even, to not even take them on board. Think of, think of Cain and Abel. I mean, it, it has such a bad effect on the entire family. Here's Adam and Eve, and they are, they are having their first family. They got Cain, they got Abel, they're two boys. And, and the boys are fighting. Now, every parent who's had kids have found their, parent, their kids are, are fighting at, at some stage. But when they start killing each other, that's a real problem. And, and here, here, uh, here's Cain. The reason Cain is upset is, is because they both were in church. They both, they both come down with their offerings. They both turned up to offer up to God what they had in their hands. And God had asked them for the offering that Abel brought. And so Cain was meant to go and ask Abel for one of his sheep so he could bring that as an offering. But he said, no, I want to do it my way. And he brought down his cabbages, his beetroots and things like that. Well, I said, well, that's not what I'm asking for. He says, well, it's what I'm going to give you. And he says, look, nothing's going to, no fire's going to fall on that. No blessing's going to come down on you. And his younger brother got blessed. So Cain was really offended. He said, why won't you bless me? He says, do, do what he does. Oh, I'm not going to do what he does. He's my younger brother. Yeah, I mean, the older brother thing can be a problem, right? It can be, it can be a difficulty. You could, you could be in this church for years and years like Mark Saundercock down here, you know, and, uh, and, 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 and you've been in here since the beginning, and then some young character comes in. He's been living a wild life, and he turns up, and we all go, woo! this guy's amazing and then he starts rising and 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 then he preaches like like jimmy edwards on fire last weekend and and he can, he go like what the heck how did how what about me i've been here forever for goodness sake does that ever happen for me 
That was, that's the older brother about the, the younger son coming home, this son of yours. And it's in the house. It's in the family. I deal with this regularly where people feel like, why, why didn't that happen for me? Listen, sometimes you're the guy. Sometimes you're not the guy. Sometimes you're the statue. Sometimes you're the pigeon. You know, it's like... Sorry, Avalon, <laughs> but <laughs> bags down, manly, Mossman, love you guys. Just remember that last phrase, though, because some days it's not going to be like that, and you've got to change gear. And the, the student you used to teach is now the head musician telling you when you're playing on roster. Like Ryan Smith's had to travel through that, Jeff Crabtree, all of our. These, these things happen, life changes. And you can get all resentful, offended, upset, angsty, or else you can just learn to be humble and chew that rotten, humble pie. Swallow the thing, push it down. But you need to get used to the taste of it because there's a lot of it going around. And, and if, you can, if you can celebrate somebody's rise instead of resenting it, you know, you sometimes wonder when people are congratulating you on the outside what the bubble in there is actually saying, what, what, what's, what really is being said there. But genuinely, on the inside, be happy about other people getting blessed and you will find that will open up doors of immense blessing in your own life without any, any shadow of a doubt. Okay, so here's the thing that, and this is where I believe today a lot of healing can come into this, into this service. And uh, I'd encourage all of our locations to make sure that at the end there's an opportunity for people to be prayed for or to worship and to just receive healing at a level that will manifest in every area of your life. Because some of us, we, we, we're treating the problem on, an out, on a superficial level. But, but maybe there's a deeper level that Jesus wants to come into with you here today to actually bring healing and set you free from being stuck. It's in Luke 5, it says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. That's pretty, pretty nice, right? That these scribes and Pharisees had come from everywhere and they're, they're wanting to listen to Jesus and they're not quite committed. And it says the power of God was present to heal them of their arthritis, to heal them of rheumatism, to heal them of asthma, to heal them of, of, of whatever is going on in their life. It was present. It was there. It was available. And the power of God is present here. And it's present there in Manly. It's present there in, in Warunga. It's present right now in Parramatta, in Avalon. The power of God is present here. You may not see it or feel it or, or anything, but believe me, God is in this place and healing can flow to you if you'll open up your heart and just reach out to Him and let that power touch your world. Here this morning, it says, the power of God was present to heal them. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And this is the most, when I was thinking about this message, I was trying to think of the most stuck person I could think of who needed to get unstuck. 
And it, and it says they, they sought to bring him in and lay him before him. They couldn't find how to bring him in because there's too many people. And then finally they led him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now that's a strange thing to say to a man who's paralyzed on a bed, not rise up and be healed, not have your faith, your faith will save you or, or, or somebody pick him up or whatever else, but man, your sins are forgiven you. Of all the most paralyzing conditions you can have in your mind, guilt would be the strongest grip to hold you stuck in your past over things you have done. All of us have reason for guilt. You might say, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to. God in heaven does, and he's forgotten about it. He decided to not remember your sins. He decided to wash them away. He decided to wipe them out of existence in his mind. He decided like the Egyptian chariots and armies to bury them in the sea and to wipe it out so they would never rise again. Sometimes we attempt to assuage or to calm a troubled conscience by suffering. We think if, if I'm hurting enough, that somehow atones for my guilt. Or if I work hard enough, if I just, if I do enough good, good things in life, I'll pay for my sin. Or if I'm just somehow manage to feel emotionally troubled and continue to regurgitate that, that it will somehow please God that I feel so bad continuously. Nothing could be further from the truth. He didn't send Jesus to remind you of your sin. He sent Jesus to take your sin in his own body and bury it because God knew that guilt is the one thing that he needs to set you and I free from. Everybody, when they're in trouble, tends to say, God, forgive me. Because we, we, get, we get nervous. There might be something that's, the reason I'm having this trouble here is because I did something back there. And you go, oh, God, forgive me again. And you've already said it a hundred times. This man, no doubt, had made an inventory of the wrongs in his life and the sins in his life, and he had said that, forgive me. But he didn't believe he was. He asked for it, and God said, sure, I forgive you. But he wasn't prepared to receive it. Because it just seems either too good to be true, or I'm not worthy. How could I be worthy of receiving forgiveness? How could you wipe it out? How could you take it away? I, I don't know how you could do that. I am guilty, and we want to hold on to that and stay stuck. But listen to me today, right here in this place, at every one of our locations, Jesus is here to break those chains of guilt and to set you free. As soon as He's... And, and, the, and then the, the, the critics criticized Jesus. And they said, who can forgive sins but God alone? And He, he should have said, you're right. And he's right here. God was right there, reassuring that person. Your sins are forgiven. And he says to the critics, 
What's it easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? When you are forgiven, you'll rise up and you'll take steps. You'll be walking, carrying whatever was carrying you before. You'll walk away from a stuck position. You'll walk away free from that bed. Walk away free from a state of being paralyzed, of being stuck in a condition for years and years. If you've been stuck here today in that condition, when we all stand up in a second, I'm believing that the power of God can set you free. You might, you might be surging ahead in a hundred areas of your life, but still be stuck in one or two or three. You just cannot get free in those areas. Today, in the next 60 seconds, I believe great healing will come upon your life. Great power will come into your world and Jesus himself will set you free. Can we all stand up? And I want you to close your eyes, reach out to God. And Heavenly Father, today I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit will pour out upon every person here today in Jesus' name and in all of our locations. God bless you. Lord Jesus, let the power of your Spirit break every chain, break every wound, break every hurt, break every bruising, heal it here today. I thank you, Father, that there are chains that will break off lives right here in this house by the power of the love of God by the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for that healing power right here in this worship. As we lift our hands and we seek your face, we thank you, God, for drawing near to every one of us and dismantling the strongholds that have held people bound and stuck. And I thank you today that we'll move on from any position of offense, from any position of wounding, from any position where we are bound and still in the snare. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Help us in the name of the Lord. And everybody said, amen. Come on, give the Lord a great clap offering. Let's worship Him here today. Lord, we bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we just close our eyes. If that message resonated with you, if you felt like God was speaking to you about a particular person, a particular situation, whether it be current, whether it be in your past, and you feel like that's something that you need to do. I want you to uh, give it to God here this morning. I want you to leave it here on the altar and walk out of this place today free by the power of Jesus Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free, the Scriptures say. So we thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to ask uh, Shannon to just lead us in some worship. And uh, this is just a few minutes right now for God to do a miracle in your life. So don't leave without dealing with this situation. If it's something that you've been working through or dealing with or it's been affecting you, today's the day to forgive or receive forgiveness. If you're feeling guilty about anything, the regrets that you may have from the past, leave them on the altar. This morning, through the blood of Christ, you will be set free. Thank you, Jesus.
lift up your name in this place. The mighty, powerful, all-conquering name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, you're setting people free today. Today, Lord, is a new day. This is the day that the Lord has made. We thank you, Father, for people leaving free, free indeed, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, God. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. I want to encourage you. We're going to finish up the service, but if you want prayer, if you want specific prayer for a situation, something that uh, that message spoke to you about, it's going to ask the Connect Group leaders to come out the front. They'll pray for you. Maybe you're feeling away from God at the moment for whatever reason, and the, media, the, the reason doesn't matter, but you're feeling distant. Maybe you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. For whatever reason, you're you've walked away or in your heart, he feels distant. I want you to come forward at the end of this service, receive prayer, ask God to come back into your world, to be close, to be your Lord and your Saviour. I guarantee you, it'll make a massive difference in your heart and in your life through the power of Jesus Christ. So let's give the Lord another great big hand. So if you want prayer, just come out the front as we finish up the service. There'll be leaders here to pray with you. And God's going to do something phenomenal in your life. God bless you. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. We'll see you real soon. Amen.
Church, come on. You are God. 